This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday night edition, Jury Night in Atlanta. Again, it's back to raining every day, so that's cool. Uh, but vacation starts now. Kind of. I'm still recording a podcast tonight, but this feels like vacation because every podcast I do does not feel like work, and it especially does not feel like work. When I have Scott Rafferty of NBA Canada Premier, what is the what is the parent company called? Is it Premier? Am I am I correct in that? It, it was Perform. Um, now it's the Perform. You've probably you've probably seen the 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 Zone commercials on TV. Um, yes. So yeah, that's that's the parent company now. Oh, so Zone yeah. did they uh, is it, did they just change names or Zone bought them out? How does that work? Because I saw them on Sporting News a bunch, and those are all linked, right? Yes, they are. So basically, okay. the zone, the zone is, is the parent company now. Um, it was newly formed, and the focus on the zone, primarily the the the, web, the main website and everything like that, is the uh, is unboxing um, and the streaming service that they have going on there. But I think they do plan on branching out. I know there's there's a baseball um, a baseball show. I can't remember exactly what it's called right now. Um, but we're you know we're kind of doing a little bit of everything. Okay, well, it's exciting. Um... All right. Well, it's been it's been a few months. Um, it's been a while, guy. and that's my fault. That's my bad. No, no, it's great. We're, you're here now, man. <laughs> it's all that matters. We uh, we had Carlin Gray, uh, Carlin Gay, excuse me, on uh, a couple weeks back. Your colleague. Yes, my colleague. I know him. I know him very well. Work with him every day. He was good. He was good. Did you Did you guys talk uh, about the Raptors plenty? Um, I, I think we did talk Raptors. Uh, I did mention that, um, and I, Scott, as you can attest, um, you know, uh, you kind of called it. Yeah, I, I, I did. <laughs> yeah. You kind of called, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Check I remember, the tapes. I remember we, we were talking about this and full disclosure, I was hyping up the Celtics. I was still mm. buying into them. You were talking about the Raptors. I was kind of iffy on them. You know, I, I thought they had a good chance to go far. I didn't kind of see them being the best team in the conference necessarily. Um, but I will say, I did pick them. I believe I, p- I picked them to be the Sixers, Don't the Bucks, and the Warriors. 
in, in our predictions on the website. So I feel good about that. I feel good about that. You did not give me any kind of um, support. In hey, I just gave you, I just gave you a problem. I just gave yes, you a problem. But you now you're trying, to, you you're, you're trying to sneak back in or it's like, well, look, <laughs> I was only one team away where you're like, oh, if it wasn't the Celtics, I was picking the Raptors. That's really what you're saying. Look, one look. And you were not picking the Kawhi. Raptors and the Warriors. Like, you still didn't have them behind. Like, you still had Celtics Warriors, right? No, I think my, so my official bracket, I mean, I, I could make, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I know. I no, I'm saying like I'm months ago because I made this prediction in August. So we're talking way, way back. Way, way back. Oh, like preseason? Yeah, I probably had the Celtics in the finals. Yeah, and you probably had the Warriors too, right? Yes. God, see, I was just stomping the the Warriors were not winning at all thing, and then I was looking at the East and people were buying into the Bucks. The Bucks was the dumbest one where it was like, oh yeah, that's not happening. This is this is not happening. Buttonholes are like Giannis, love Giannis. Um, Shout out to Ben Golliver. Great work, Giannis Inc., all that kind of stuff, but... uh, no, that that's not happening, and I feel bad for Bucks Wait, fans because so you, so you're not a Bucks believer. Absolutely not. Really? And I think they're actually going to be worse next year. So it I, they missed their moment, and I think they'll be good. Obviously, I don't think they're just like falling off a cliff or anything. But um, losing Brogdon hurts. Not a blood to believer. I think it just depends on what they can do. I I mean, I wish they could get CP. I really, really wish they could find a way to do that. I, I just if you plug CP three in that. Eric Bledsoe's spot, and then you had him, Middleton, and Giannis, and more shooters, then you could talk me into this team a little bit more, but just seeing what Bledsoe was in the playoffs, and just, I don't know, man. I think they they had, everything went right for them last year. The Celtics bottoming out, the Raptors just being right there. Obviously, they ran into the Kawhi buzzsaw, but like, I just... I don't know. It felt like everything was right for them. The health was right. They just acquired all the right players to surround Giannis with. Giannis had the MVP type season. And then to lose the way they did, I just... Bringing back Chris Middleton, the right move. Chris Middleton's a a star. Love Chris Middleton. I just think they need more. And I'm also not a Sixers believer. So it's not like I'm jumping on the Sixers thing either because, I mean... Granted, I'm a huge Ben Simmons guy, and seeing him shoot threes in these little grainy videos this summer, I, I'm hype. <laughs> I'm hype, Scott. I'm, a Are you really? I'm all in. Yes, I am. I, you so can talk like, me into Ben Simmons any day of the week. I'm, I'm still all about Ben Simmons. I, I, I think it's encouraging that he's taking them, right? And aside from kind of a few screenshots that people taking about, you know, that, that pull-up jumper that he had where it looks like he's shooting with his right hand, and then he eventually shoots with his left hand, like, it's not perfect. At least he's taken them. It's encouraging. It's just there aren't very many signs to go on where you like to believe that he's going to be a legitimate shooter next year. You know what I mean? Like the guy is not a great free throw shooter. He's never been a good mid range shooter and everything like that. Like I, I just, it's hard to believe that he's all of a sudden just like, like it's going to click. And I'd love to be wrong. I really would because Ben Simmons with a jump shot is, I don't know what, a top fifth, 10, Five. 15 player in the NBA. Five. I mean, I guess he's an MVP candidate at that point, then, right? Yes. So, so you could talk me into that, but uh, if he's shooting threes, he has more upside than Giannis. I don't, but he's not. I, I really doubt he's going to start shooting threes like properly next season. Like, I think the next progression for probably him is not. Pulling this up, is like, like that'd be like a huge jump from, from not taking them like at all to just being like a thirty-five percent shooter would be insane. But like. Everything about Ben Simmons is a mystery to me. Like when he came over and the LSU stuff and how all that unfolded, 
and then him just being the unanimous guy to go number one and just him having to play with a bead and them just like taking him really slowly where they're like no he's gonna be our unicorn point guard like nothing about Ben Simmons would surprise me at this point because if you were to tell me he's been able to shoot them for like the last year and a half but he just didn't want to shoot 27% for the first couple of years and it's just waiting <laughs> to unleash 35% out of nowhere I just he's like a handful of guys where I'm like I could see that um also probably didn't help watching Markel Fultz shoot in practice a lot where he's like trying to he just yeah him just hanging around and like oh is that how you shoot and maybe getting a little bit of pointers from Markel and you're like oh maybe that mess things up but um Markel apparently a sleeper according to Aaron Gordon and apparently I would love to see it I would love to see it I think we all would great story but again I'm kind of just at the point with him where I'm sure a lot of people are like well you know we'll believe it when we see it um, just because it feels like we've been promised this quiet a few times before. It's never kind of materialized. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is a good situation for him. You know, the, the Magic do need a point guard. He has a ton of potential. And, you know, it's, it's hopefully he can put it together. Do you follow baseball at all? I do not. Okay. Well, I was going to make a baseball comparison because there is a superstar, Lucas Giolito. Um, he's now a superstar ace for the White Sox. But um drafted very high by the washington nationals nationals have been good for a long time um they've been contending and he struggled when he came up super young and it just got destroyed and they couldn't do anything because they were just like we're in a pennant race and we can't have this guy going out every five starts just imploding um but he had to get minutes i mean minutes innings um so that he can kind of get a feel for the major league game and they just couldn't allow that in Washington, which made sense because his timelines did not match up. So they moved him and he was able to be terrible in Chicago for a year and a half. And now he's great. And he credits a lot of that to Chicago, just throwing him out there and letting him get worked through everything. And Philly is now a contender and they just didn't have time to wait on 12 minutes a night of Markel and just seeing what that looked like and just the Rudy stuff. And it just... It, it doesn't fit their timeline anymore. And uh, there's a lot of irony there, I guess. But, like, um, he was never going to figure it out in Philadelphia because that team was just ready to win. And this dude just needs to be bad for, like, two years. That's the best case is him just being awful in Orlando but also playing, like, 36 minutes a night and working through stuff and just um, learning how to be a bad NBA point guard first. And people are I like, mean, oh, is that really harsh? It's like, no, most point guards are bad when they come into the league. It's really, it's it's super hard to be an, a good NBA point guard. It's super hard to play the position. And he hasn't had that chance to just play 36 minutes a night and just be bad. No, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's it's probably the hardest position for, a, you know, a rookie to kind of come into, especially in like if, if they're expected to be a starter from day one. Um, I mean, you even look at someone like Darren Fox, right? Like this guy last year proved himself to be one of the best young prospects in the NBA, a star on the rise, a future all-star and everything like that. And when he came into the NBA, that's what people kind of thought he would be. But he was not good his first season. Like he showed flashes of what he could be, but the totality of his work, like he was not a very good basketball player. Um, And that's, I mean, that's the case with a lot of point guards, you know, the 19, 20 year old players coming in, playing the hardest position and kind of having to learn on the fly. Um, But the, the, the thing with Fultz though, is that like, the Magic want to make the playoffs. They want to build off of last season. So I don't know how, you know, how. Did you see who they were playing gonna... a point guard last year? I mean, uh, but like they gave Sheldon he... Mack a tweet congratulating him for going like seven and five a year and a half ago. 
I, I, I mean, yeah, but like DJ Augustine, DJ Augustine can, was hitting game winners in the playoffs. That's the thing. Like DJ Augustine can kind of control the offense and hit oh, threes, I love right? DJ he's Augustine. not going to, yeah, he's not going to do much more than that. But like, you don't need him to. But like, Fultz, if he's not going to be able to shoot and he needs the ball in his hands to create and everything, like that's that's going to be complicated next to Aaron Gordon, um, you know, Vucevic and things like that. So I just, I hope it works out. I really do. Um, I, I, I'm on the same page as you. It's like I think the best thing for him would kind of go be. Like, go to somewhere where there's no expectations. He can kind of work through everything and then hopefully kind of get himself back on on that timeline. I, I mean, now it seems very unlikely that he's ever going to live up to the hype of being an number one pick in, in that draft, especially with it being such a loaded draft. But that doesn't mean he can't still be, you know, a very valuable player. I still don't think he's ever playing another NBA game. But You don't I, think he's playing another NBA game? No, I've said this for like a year. Really? Like, I guess when was the la- what was his last minute for Philadelphia? That last little bit before he dipped again. Um, I just it, the only way I just I thought he should have gone overseas. Like that dude needs to just get away for a couple of years and just go play in China and go or go play for Madrid or somewhere else where like he can just where nobody knows him and he can just kind of start over and figure it all out. But I just, the yips and everything else, he's never, he's just, I, I don't know. This, not a good track record of guys with this kind of um, situation. Rick Hakeem yeah. is uh, not going to be a Hall of Famer, by the way. It's, the thing about him, though, is that, like, even in the games he played last season, like, he, he wasn't good, obviously. But, like, there's still stuff, like, you can see some of the things that he does and, like, how it would translate to the NBA. Like, he's very shifty with the ball. He's a good driver. He he has good vision. Like he has great size of the point guard too. Like there are tools for him to still work with. It's just going to be so hard. Like we, we talk about we talk about Simmons and like his inability to to space the floor and everything like that. At least he's six foot ten and he's an absolute you know train going from one end of the court to the other. Um, if you have a guy who's not going to shoot at all at the point guard, um, it just it just complicates things so much more. So you know I hope it works out. I do think he will play. I, I mean I hope he plays this season. Um, but we'll kind of just have to wait and see how it goes. Well, that's enough, Markel Fultz and uh, Bucks Inc. and everything else that we did not have on the itinerary to talk about today. <laughs> but we had to get through. We had to we had to shake the shake the rest. Catch up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're gonna talk about happier things like the Charlotte Hornets, where everything much is happier. just great. <laughs> yeah, much happier. Um, first question about this team and people were like, Oh, why are you talking about the Hornets? Because I don't think we've talked about the Hornets enough. A lot of Knicks stuff, a lot of Nets stuff, a lot of even Phoenix stuff, a lot of Utah. Guess what not is like, guess what's not being talked about enough is what happened in Charlotte this summer is illegal in like 13 States and just how depressing it got super quickly, and then people are like, oh, they could be the worst team in basketball. And I'm like, no, they can't. They still have too much talent to be the worst team in basketball. This team's going to win too many games. They have a good coach. They're just a lot of vets, not a lot of rookies. They're going to be playing hard. Like, it's just, they're not. Like, the Wizards, every game that Bradley Beal misses, they're the worst team in basketball by far. Like, they have no shot. Like, that's the only team in the NBA where it's like, their best player doesn't play. They literally can't win the basketball game because they can't score enough. Um, I, I, I just... I don't think they can be that bad. So I think they're like the fourth worst team in the league, maybe fifth worst. And I, it, it's super dark. And I just, I want to know from you, Scott, how did the Charlotte Hornets get into not even NBA purgatory, which is where they were a couple of years ago. It's more like 
just the factory of sadness that now I, I don't even know what you do. Well, that's the thing that's weird about them, right? So they've kind of been over the last like three or four years, they've been in a situation where they're, they're on the cusp of making the playoffs. So either they get in with this seventh grade seed and they play a really good team in the first round. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's the end of that. Or they kind of just miss the playoffs and then they end up getting about, I don't know, the eighth to the 12th pick in the draft. It feels like they get every single year. So they're not, they're not rebuilding, they're not competing, and they're kind of just, as you said, like in this purgatory. And I agree with you. The, the next step, if you're not going to bring Kemba Walker back, like what seems to make the most sense would be to just, just tank. Like they have, they, they have a lot of vets on their team. Some of them are expiring deals this season, so it opens up the books a little bit. But you have like some interesting guys on this team. Like I, I don't know what to really make of Malik Monk anymore, but like he's a guy who deserves to, to kind of you know, show what he can do. I really like Dwayne Bacon. Um, I like Miles Bridges. Like they do have young, talented players. The problem is, is just like, like by by signing Terry Rozier to the, the contract they did, like he's going to play thirty plus minutes a game. He's going to get a lot of shots. What does that do to to guys like Monk? Um, and I, I, mean, I just don't know. Like I I don't know what this team. They they should be the worst team in the league, right? Like that probably would have been the way to go to try try and get a really high draft pick and everything like that. But they could just mess around and win. I mean, I, I can't see them winning more than like 25 games. Could you? I mean, I, it depends on how healthy they are. Like, if, ter- if their rotation, if they get like 36 minutes a night from Batum, Rozier, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, Michael K. Gilchrist, Monk, Bridges, and Gomez, like... I'm not saying that's a good team. I'm saying that team's just going to do some dumb stuff and win a, just a few too many games to be the worst team in basketball. I mean, and they're going to play hard, right? Like Terry Rozier, right. um, he, he's going to play hard. He's going to have like a chip. On, he, he always plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to want to prove um, himself after the contract in this new situation, things like that. I just, I mean, the other problem with this team is that, I mean, problem, it's probably going to help them lose more games. Um, but like Cody Zeller gets injured every year. Um, it seems like MKG does as well. Like they're not the most durable lineup, uh, right. Roster. And then when you lose one of those guys, like they don't really have the depth. So then you're relying on guys like, like Willie is suddenly starting and Bismack Biombo is getting 20 minutes a game. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like if they get, if they're, if they get hurt, then yes, they have a real shot. If they stay relatively healthy, then I don't see a path because they're just going to play too many vets. So it really just depends on health. So I guess if you're a Charlotte fan, you feel really guilty if you're like i kind of hope we're the most unhealthy team in basketball this year i mean it's it's just it's just not there's not a ton of upside again like i i like bridges but like he he's it's, i mean he's not going to be it's hard to believe he's going to develop into like an all-star or anything like that right like i think he's going to be a super valuable role player um certainly a starter like i think that's his ceiling i could be wrong but like you have a bunch of like interesting young guys on the team. It's just there's not one guy who who you can like trust that's gonna pop, um, and and that's kind of what what makes it difficult. Because like what you're saying about Washington, like at least they have Bradley Beal, and then maybe by this time next year he's not on the team. So you know, but speaking about them differently, but like they have an exciting young guy that people can 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 watch night in night out, um, and then there's some other teams around the league. You know, like a Phoenix, like they 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 haven't been in the best situation in the last few years. At least they have Devin Booker. They go eight now. Like, there's something there to kind of like believe in. Um, 
the Hornets don't really have that unless you are really high on Terry Rozier, which I think I, I seem to be high, just general conversation of how do people, I feel like I'm a little bit higher on him than, than most people are. But even then, like he, I, I, he's not, <laughs> it's hard to be like too confident in him. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like I'm not it, like, there are like four teams where Terry Rozier could be like a useful, good player. It's like Oklahoma city before they blew it up. Houston, um, Phoenix, and like maybe Miami, something like that. Where like I like Phoenix. I see, for him. Yeah, I think him and and Booker would have been good uh, next to each other and that kind of stuff. And we'll have to see how he play off ball. But can I give you a really sad Charlotte stat from last year? Yes. So there were two players on the Charlotte Hornets that uh, made the top 100 in ESPN Real Plus Minus. Love Real Plus Minus. I really do love what goes into that especially defensive real plus minus shout out to the worst defensive real plus minus point guard in the nba last year and worst uh score of all time trey young who uh the hawks traded let me check my notes here luka Doncic for um <laughs> i'll never get over this so there are two guys who did not make the top or who did make the top 100 who would you guess those two are is this from from the hornets yes um i mean canvas got to be one Yes. Um, Cody Zeller? Nope. If, 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 if the answer is Dwayne Bacon, I'm going to be very excited. <laughs> it's not Dwayne Bacon. Oh, the answer man. is never Dwayne Bacon. <laughs> oh, you know the Dwayne Bacon believer? <laughs> not at all. Okay, that's my guy. But anyway, that's, uh, that's okay. a good conversation. I can tell. You, you genu- um, I could hear the genuine uh, just <laughs> pip in your step. We were like, did he make top 100? It's, dude, it's that time of the year where I'm talking myself into Dwayne Bacon. It's been, it's been. Too You're like, long. oh my god, I can call my editor after this podcast. I actually have, a, <laughs> a, I can pitch this. They're not gonna laugh at me because I can be like, no, he's top 100. I can write about him. I promise, I've, he's a breakout I've candidate. Already, I, I, uh, I talked Colin into like Dwayne Bacon um, about like a week ago. So this is a conversation that's already happened in the office. I don't think anything's gonna be written on him, but the conversations are happening anyway. Okay. Um, it's not, it's not, it, it can't be Batum. It can't, right? It is not Batum. You're missing an obvious one here. Is it Marvin Williams? I'll give you a hint. No. He's also not on this team anymore. He's also not on this team anymore? Why am I completely blanking on who else left the Hornets this offseason? I'll give you a hint. He's going to, he went to the team that's winning the Eastern Conference this year. He's going to the team that's going to, so it's not, according to you, it's not the Bucks or the Sixers, right? That is correct. I have no idea. Jeremy Lamb. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I bought Oh, yeah. That was just a casual. Oh, I, yeah. Jeremy Lamb. I, I forgot he played on the Hornets. You forgot? Um, you forgot the mid-range, nah, nah, the I smooth mean, stroke, I mean, like, the slow I, I game? Forgot right now. I forgot right now, but, you, you know. I think, yes. he, I think he's actually going to be. He fits, uh, he fits the Pacers really well. The Pacers are winning the East next year. You think so? Even with, even with Oladipo potentially missing, what? Two, three months? It depends on how Odebo comes back. I, I don't really care much about the early season. I care about where he's at come playoff time. I still stick with what he was doing to LeBron two years ago. They really, really put that Cavs team on edge. And that was not a very talented Pacers team. That was just like Oladipo is like. I it wasn't mean, a great Cavs team though, as well. No, it wasn't. But like. That like they almost lost in the first round to Oladipo. That almost happened, and Oladipo, man, 
I, I mean, I'm just, I, I love Victor Oladipo. I don't think people understand just how good he was two years ago, where his pull-up game, his just passing, his defense, everything about that 2017-2018 season, he was getting 2.5 steals a game. He was averaging 23, um, what is it, like, yeah, 23, 5, and 4. And he was really breaking through. He's getting to the line five times a night. Like, I, 37% from three, I just, I'm a huge Victor Oladipo guy in that I think he has another level. And he's kind of what I always wished Russell Westbrook would be. And I think it's interesting because he has so much more upside than Westbrook does. Even than Westbrook did in his prime because he can shoot. And he's a better passer. Like he's a better teammate, I think, in general. And not like I like Russell Westbrook, but I just think Victor Oladipo, when it's his own team and you can kind of see um, what that team looks like, where I just, I love this Pacers group. I love the fact that they have no bad player in their rotation. And I think that matters, especially now seeing what the Raptors were doing and just certain teams where depth is now just a lot more important. I think even if you have a star, you need depth around it because injuries are just part of the game and it's just more taxing and more games and the the pace is up and everything like that. The Pacers just, they can go big. They can go small. I love the Malcolm Brogdon signing. I think him and Victor Oladipo are going to be extremely good together. I love Jeremy Lanham off the bench. Um, I didn't like them losing Bogdanovich, but Turner and Sabonis, I'm still like an interested believer. I mean, I like them both individually. Like, they're just a smart team that if Victor Oladipo is healthy and he has another level, which I think he does, he's 27, I I think this team can win a wide open East. I really do. I think we could have a Kawhi-like season from Victor Oladipo. See, I, I love Oladipo as well. I just think that's – like, I don't want to – I don't want to raise expectations so high for a guy who is – coming off of the injury that he did like it, it is it is a pretty serious injury um and that's not to say that you know he, he can get back he can't get back to the level that he was prior to that but i just think like i don't know i i think the east next season is between the bucks and the Sixers at the top and then i think there's a pretty big gap between the next team whether that's you know the paces potentially the raptors um or or the celtics or whatever um i just and, and Can I also tell you what he did with, in that Cavs series? His numbers in that Cavs series from 2017-2018? Go ahead. 22 points a game. He shot 40% from three. He um, got to the line. He shot six free throws a game. Eight rebounds, six assists, 2.5 steals. It just... He played 38 minutes. That dude... I He lives through the playoffs. I think they can be very careful with him, kind of like what the Raptors did with Kawhi. I think they could survive without him for a couple months. They don't have to rush him back because, like I said, they just have a bunch of smart basketball players. The The Pacers, two years ago, he was plus 13.7 per 100 possessions. Guess how many minutes he was playing at the two? 92%. Guess what Malcolm Brogdon's going to do? Play the one. He's not Darren Collison. That's a huge step up. No, they're going to be great together. I really, I, I, I really like that signing. Um, they're going to be so smart and just so good. They're, this is this might be the smartest team in the East. I, I just they're going to be a pain in the ass defensively. They're going to take good shots. They're still going to take a shit ton of mid range shots, but they're going to make a lot of them. I there's just a very Spursy feel to them now. 
and I like it. I'm I'm just very pro Pacers. The bonus turn of pairing is a little weird though, right? Like I oh absolutely. I just I that that's one thing that I feel like needs to be ironed out. Um, like I think that's one of the biggest questions, other than Old Depot's health. Like I think that's one of the biggest questions answering the season for uh, for them. Because like you are they going to start next to each other? Um, you yes, kind of alternate between. I think so. You do like yeah. I, I just. I love Sabonis and I love Turner. I just don't know how how much you can rely on them starting next to each other. I don't either, but I also think they have options. And we didn't even mention TJ Warren, who's like my, one of my favorite bench guys, who's just going to close for them and do that Will Barton, that kind of role where I just I think he's going to just be really good in clutch situations. But like, even if it doesn't work and they continue trying Sabonis and uh, Turner, guess what? One of those guys is a great trade chip. You can move them at the deadline for a really good haul because I think they're both really valuable, and especially Turner at $18 million for four years. He's locked up for four years. Sabonis so is on the I, last year, so he's less. Like, that's more of a, it's a more difficult trade. But, like, those two dudes have value, and if it doesn't work, they can move them for um, the right kind of four who can play next to Turner or Sabonis, depending on who they pick. Uh, you mean someone like that, Young? No. That no, no, no. I would never. <laughs> Not a Thad Young guy. Not at all. I don't all understand right. Thad Young. He bothers me. I can say objectively that he's good. He finds ways to navigate around the low post, and he's just he gets buckets that just don't look like he should ever get buckets. He's I I don't I don't know. It's because it's he's ugly. also he's an excellent he's an excellent defender too. Like that yes he's he's a super versatile defender. The kind of defender you probably want next to Turner. Um, especially compared to Sabonis, because he can guard perimeter players. Um, he, he's big enough to kind of bang the guys in the post, not necessarily post extensors, but like power forwards and stuff like that. So I think defensively, he's a much um, more sound kind of fit next to Turner. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's just, they can do something at the deadline. If they're like, okay, we've tried this enough and I just, I, it's not working how do we pivot? I think it's an easy pivot for them, and they're they're a smart team. Pritchard will figure it out. Like I'm, I'm just not worried about the Pacers. Um, is there a chance Miles Bridges is a star? Like, what do you? Because I watched enough of him last year, and he was like in and out of the rotation. They were really hard on him, and there was that brief time where he was just like gone for like a couple weeks, and it didn't look like he was going to be able to shoot at this level. But he has just ridiculous hops. Um. Is there a chance he could be a star? Like, if he had been drafted by, like, it, it, I'm trying to think of a good team here, like Miami or something, could he have been developed into a star? Or is it um, Charlotte, the situation and their rotation and just where they're at? Is there no chance? Like, I just, what do you see in Miles Bridges? And honestly, Malik Monk, too, because I have no read on either of those guys at this point. Yeah, I think with, with Bridges, like, he he's a really interesting prospect to me. He, as you said, he's super athletic. He's a big guy. Um, he can kind of do a little bit of everything on the court. Um, he's a solid defender and everything like that. And the biggest thing holding him back um, has always been and is probably always going to be um, shooting. You know, he attempted 2.5, two and a half threes a game last season, made 32% of them, um, which is not necessarily a surprise for a rookie. But that's going to be the one thing that is going to be so important for him because if he can kind of knock down open threes, for a guy who is big and as strong and as athletic as he is, like he's he's one dribble away from the basket and he can take off from far away. He can take contact. He can finish through guys, finish over guys. 
So I think like he, I, I just kind of see him being more of like a super valuable role player on a team. And this guy who can do pretty much everything at potentially a high level. I just don't know right now if I see him kind of developing into to an all-star caliber player. Um, and he, I mean, it, it's just hard because he didn't play a ton last season. As you said, he was in and out of the lineup. So it's hard to, to know what, you know, how, how much stock to put into it, um, to what we saw and, and things like that. Um, which is why I hope, I hope he gets a ton of minutes this year. Like that, that, that seems to make the most sense. The Hornets should just play him. They should start him. He should play 30 minutes a game. He should be able to play through his mistakes, especially because this team is not going to make the playoffs um, and kind of see what they have with him. Um, and as you're saying, Malik Monk as well, who has obviously been with the Hornets for a, for a couple more years than, than Bridges has. Um, he's also kind of just a blank slate at this point, which is a little disappointing because I think he's entering, what, year four now? Um, he's shown signs of being a super explosive scorer off the bench, a guy who can heat up, um, but he just hasn't put it together consistently. And he also just hasn't got the minutes, um, throughout the years to kind of showcase himself, um, in that way. So I think again, with this, this year being kind of a, a lost year for the Hornets, like this is an opportunity to play these guys and see what they have, um, Bridges has some more time, obviously, because he's still got three, three or four more years on his contract. Um, Monk, they're going to have to make a decision with soon. So that that's what this season should be about with the Hornets, I feel like. Like, see what they have with the young guys. P.J. Washington as well, who they just drafted. Um, he's going to be another guy who, who hopefully sees a lot of game time um, and they can kind of see what they have because, you know, Terry Rozier is on his, on his sign a three-year contract with them. But after that, like, they're going to have some decisions to make, especially once Batum comes off their, their books, Mike Williams comes off their books about where they want to kind of build the team. Um, and even if none of those guys are necessarily stars, like I think it kind of starts with them and you can kind of build around them, figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are and go from there. The problem though is Mitch Kupchak is their general manager now. Like if you're a Charlotte fan, who would you rather have Mitch Kupchak in 2019 or Rod Higgins in like the early 2000s? <laughs> that's a tough question i don't know i i think that's the rabbit like uh, what is the what is the, the expression um what is it there's something in the room what is the animal that's in the room the elephant in the room elephant in the room that's it um not a big expression guy i'll i'll just go ahead and say but yes um an elephant in the room um is that mitch kupchak is their general manager and He's just there. He's a North Carolina guy. Him and Jordan are cool. And this is just I, the Rich Cho stuff. Bon voyage. Miss you every day. Um, cool guy. Like Rich Cho. Um, but now with no Kimba, like him just not even trying to trade Kimba if like they were never going to offer him the Supermax. Like that's just like, I don't even know how to fathom that kind of thinking and what their in game was there. They just thought he would take a discount and then they were just completely perplexed that he left. Um, they just always thought he was going to stay cause he's the best Hornet of all time and blah, blah, blah. But, um, I just, I would, if I'm a Hornets fan, I'm like, I don't want to go through a rebuild right now because I don't want it to be with R- Mitch Kupchak. Like he just signed Terry Rozier. I don't trust him. I don't think you should trust him. He's just with what happened at the end of the Lakers tenure. Like I, I don't, I don't know. It's like the worst place to be as a fan where you're like, we're not contending. We don't have any young guys in this roster that you can really get excited about as a potential superstar. And we have maybe the worst GM in the league right now. 
So like, what do you do? I, I just, I, it's amazing that Mitch Kupchak went from NBA finals, uh, champion GM to a GM that nobody, nobody wants. And like, just over, he now just oversees the most depressing franchise in the NBA. It's, it's definitely tough. Like, again, as we said before, like, at least you can look at some of the other bad teams around the league, um, and they kind of have, you know, at least one or two guys that you can, you can really count on um, or believe in to, to, to be something in the future, and, and the Hornets don't really have that right now. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you hope this team is competitive for the next two or three years. Um, I doubt it, but maybe they are, and then you kind of, as I said, will build around Bridges and Monk and stuff like that. Um, they, there's probably going to be quite a lot of soul searching in the Hornets over the next 12 months. So it, it's probably going to be a wild ride, or actually not a wild ride. It's probably we probably know exactly where it's going. Um, but it's it it it'll be it'll be interesting, I guess to say the least. You know, I, you know what I forgot? They he, they drafted Shea Gilgis Alexander and then traded him for Bridges. I already forgot that happened last year. Yeah, so he's going to be really good too. God. That's the thing, right? Trade. Like, yeah, he's not like we talked about Shay in the office today. Like, I, I don't know if Shay is necessarily going to be an all star. Um, I, I kind of see him being like again, like a super valuable role player guy who can do everything. Maybe he's the second or third best player on the team, but I don't necessarily see him being like a bona fide all star. But at least he's someone who's super exciting, has a ton of upside. You know, showed a lot as a rookie, um, so that's exciting. And kind of you can see there's going to be a clear progression with him, which is what they don't really quite have with the other guys they have, uh, the young guys they have on the roster right now. We haven't even talked about PJ Washington. Like, is there any buzz? Sorry for the pun there, but like, dear God, like there's no one talking about this kid at all. Just like he might be fine, but I, taking him at what? What was he? Twelve? Where did he get? I think at? I think the number twelve pick is is forever known as the Hornets pick. So that sounds about right. <laughs> not a great place to be, I would say. Not. Um, not where you want to be, but um, we'll always have the memories of the the Dwight Howard for Mozgov trade. We'll have the memories of the Mozgov for um, Julian Stone for Jerry and Grant for Bismack Biombo trade that uh, was put together in that big three teamer from uh, July 2018. Just great work for Mitch Kupchak since taking over a year ago. Um, all right, that's enough sad Hornets stuff. Hornets fans, I love you, but this is just it's sad. At least you got good uniforms, great court. Love the court. Love you brought back Buzz City. Um, it's just look. Terry's gonna rough. be fun. I don't know if it's gonna be great. Terry's Wait, what's gonna, gonna be fun? fun? To watch, Terry's gonna be fun to watch. And my guy, Dwayne no, Jason, the Hornets. My guy, Terry Rozier. Yeah. Okay. And and Maybe don't sleep on Dwayne Bacon. Don't sleep on Dwayne Bacon. <laughs> How could I? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Okay. Um. Can the Oklahoma City Thunder make the playoffs with Chris Paul? Because that is now a new thing that we have to kind of accept. Like, Paul is wearing Thunder stuff in these videos, yeah. so it seems like it's pretty likely he's planning on staying around. Um, do you buy that? The West is tough. We know it's top-heavy. We know there's only, like, two teams you can really cross out as having a real shot at making the playoffs, and that would be the Suns and the Grizzlies. But, like, do they have a shot with this group that they have left because Jerry and Grant's gone. Steven Adams is still on the roster right now, but um, obviously Paul George is gone. I, 
I don't know. I go back and forth on this. Um, what is the case for and against the Thunder making the playoffs with Chris Paul? Um, the case against the making the playoffs, I'll start with that, is that the two probably most important players in terms of being able to make the playoffs are Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari, who are two guys who you can kind of almost pencil in to miss 20 or 30 games every single year due to injuries. I think all, all it's going to take is one of those guys to go down and with how stacked the West is, like, I think that's just going to be too much crap for them to make up. Um, in saying that, if they can stay healthy, I actually do think this, that there is a path towards to make the playoffs. Um, a lineup of, of Chris Paul, Shea, um, Steven Adams, and like Andre Robeson, for example, like that's, that's going to be tough teams to score against. Um, that is a really good, four, four really good players defensively who, who are versatile, um, and Steven Adams is obviously great down low. And I think offensively, I think people are kind of sleeping on Chris Paul now. Like, I think it's just, he's just kind of being pushed to the side. Um, and I still think he's a really good player. Um, and I think, you know, Danilo Gallinari had a great season last year with the Clippers. Again, he was injured a lot. Um, but he was, you know, a big reason why they had so much success through the regular season. Um, and then you have guys like, again, Steven Adams, you can kind of, you know who he is at this point. Um, not necessarily going to be an all-star, but he's one of the best centers in the NBA. I love Shea. We just talked about him a little bit. Um, and again, kind of bring Andre Robeson back, who's at least going to be an elite perimeter defender and hopefully some kind of value on offense. Like, I think if you put that all together, there is a path towards them making the playoffs. But, you know, injuries are a big concern. Am I a psycho for being really upset that we're never going to see what Landry Shamit and Shea Gilders Alexander in the backcourt for 36 minutes a night for a couple seasons would have looked like? Yeah, that definitely would have been fun. But I'm also they were super so excited good. To see, I'm super excited to see Paul George, Kawhi, and Landry Shamit though. Landry Shamit's gonna be a dude, and he's um, gonna be super important on that team next year. I don't know if people are ready for this, but he's playing crunch time. Like it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with that spot because um, the Clippers they do have a spot open. Like, do you think they close with Trez or um, Zubach? Because if you look at their wing depth and everything else, is it Harkless? Like, what do you, they still, that roster, it seems almost incomplete. Like, I don't know how they close. Do they close super small? Do they close big? Like, I I don't know what they do there. What, what would you guess? What would you guess and what would you do if you're LA right now? It's a tough one. Um, it almost it almost feels like one of the, like a situational thing, like who they're playing against. Yeah. Because I don't know, like, if you're going up against the Lakers and they are playing a lineup that has Boogie and AD um, in the front court, like I don't know if you can get away with playing Trez at the center and then someone like Jermichael Green um, at power forward. Like may- maybe you can, maybe that's enough shooting plus one of the best role men in the NBA and like, like, like you can get away with that. I just think offensively, that's probably a lot to ask on Harold to kind of bang with those guys down low and score on them. And also defensively, because AD and Boogie, if Boogie can get stay healthy and things like that. Like that's, that's going to be very tough for any team to kind of keep up with. In saying that though, that's also a lot of pressure on Zubac, who's incredibly young. Um, he's going to have to play a lot of minutes of sense for them this season, unless they, they pick up someone else, but uh, it's someone on the bio market. They trade for someone or things like that. Um, Cause I do think that's the biggest thing that they're missing right now is 
I guess the rim protector, like they, they, they need, I feel like they need another center who can kind of play 20 minutes a game, um, do some of the dirty work, kind of anchor that defense. Cause that, that's like the only weakness I think they have on that roster right now. Other than I that, agree. like, I think that they're pretty, they're pretty set. Like Patrick Beverly, um, Kawhi, Paul George, Lou Will, Shamit, um, Harkless. Like you have playmakers, you have nasty defenders, switchable defenders. You have, you know, big time scorers and things like that. Like you can't really ask for that much more. It's just going to be that power forward and central rotation. That's going to be, that, that could be, you know, huge for them, especially with the way the NBA is going now. Which it feels like we've gone talking about small ball through all these, you know, these past few years because of the Warriors and like a lot of teams decided to go big, um, and that's going to be a big thing to keep keep track of. Yeah, I just I don't know what they do. I think um, they'll have to figure it out. They probably have a trade or two to make mid season. I don't think this is their final roster heading into the postseason. I think they'll do some stuff. Um, and guys will want to play with them. Like as soon as guys yeah. get bought out, like. They're going to be a hot destination because they're going to be a title contender. Um, so, so they'll have plenty. I'm sure they'll have plenty of interest. Do you, if you had to rank most likely to still be a, a Thunder this time next, or not even this time, like by the, let's say after the trade deadline this year, if you had to rank these three, Chris Paul, okay. Steven Adams, Danilo Gallinari, how would you rank them in most likely to still be a Thunder and least likely? That's tough. Most likely to least likely? Yes. Most likely to still be a Thunder versus least likely. I feel like Steven Adams is a pretty safe bet to stay with the Thunder. I don't know why. I just feel like like he's he's just a he's just easy. He's easygoing. He makes a clear impact. Like he's he's the kind of guy that you can kind of just keep and play him next to anyone. Like I feel like that's that that matters. Um Probably Gallinari Can I say where I want Stephen Adams, three. by the way? Sorry? Can I tell you where I want Stephen Adams? Where? I mean, so I've been pushing the Kevin Love should actually be a Hawk. When that whole thing was going on, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like, if you play 30 minutes a night of John Collins and Kevin Love down low, like, not only are like they just going to be the Bash Bros and just throw so many elbows and get so many go- gobble up so many offensive rebounds that teams are just going to, like, just stay out of the paint altogether, um... They have the pieces now. They have a bunch of one-year contracts, Turner, Crab, Parsons. They can go out and get someone like Adams or Love. But, like, I love the idea of part of their identity, just going back to the basketball on paper. Um, shout out to our guy, Mr. Oliver. Um, I Offensive rebounding is just a thing. And, like, part of what made the Raptors so tough last year was their offensive rebounding. And one of the things the... Um, the Warriors really struggled with last year was their defensive rebounding. And just, we, we forget about the importance sometimes of what a, a dominant rebounding team can do to other teams. And I, I just, I love the idea of the shooting because John Collins was able to space the floor a little bit more. Um, but if you had a rim protector like Steven Adams in Atlanta, or you just had a bully ball with Love and Collins, I think that would actually guarantee them as a playoff team in the East. Um, and also Trey Young's just always going to be a terrible, terrible, terrible defender. So you need someone inside with Lloyd Pierce's scheme, who I love Lloyd Pierce, where he wants to funnel dudes to a real rim protector. That's like part of what made Dwayne Dedman just so good for them last year. Um, that's his scheme. That's what he did with Embiid. That's like clearly what he's comfortable with. Like he had an acronym for 
this terminology of like funneling guys into um, the heart of the Sixers defense a couple of years ago. And he's on Brett Brown's staff and I forgot what it was, but it was basically like nothing. It wasn't no easy laps or no long. I, I, I forgot what it was, but essentially that's what he wants. And that's like his identity. And if this team's going to get to the next step, someone like Steven Adams down low, I think would be really, really good. Um, I, I don't know. Th- that's where my thought is, but I agree with you that Steven Adams, if I had to rank the three, it's most likely. So continue. Um, I, I, I think it's I'd go Stephen Adams one, um, Gallinari two, Chris Paul three. Interesting. Like, I would flip the last I, two. Really? Because I, I feel like he's going to play the first two months of this season, and then I think the contract that got signed this off season, I think it's like December fifteenth. I want to say like as soon as that date hits, they will be eligible to be traded, and I think there's going to be more talk about Chris Paul being traded when that day comes. I just, I just, it's hard for me to believe that like OKC is his future. Like Miami might get involved more involved around then. Um, there might be another team, like you said, like the Bucks. Like if the Bucks don't start the season like they're expecting to and Bledsoe struggles again, like there might be a deal to be made there. Like they, they could they could totally tell them something like that. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like it's it's a combination of Chris Paul being their best trade chip and also just Chris Paul not having really a future in OKC, I feel. I feel like. I think Gallo being on a expiring 22 mil, I think he's just, there are going to be so many teams. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we get a reunion of him in Denver. Like if Michael Porter Jr. Isn't healthy and the nuggets are really trying to go for it. And they're like, okay, um, what do you want? Like, what is it going to take for us to absorb his contract? Are we going to have to give up Will Barton and another piece? Um, Plumley? I don't know. Um, I could see him fitting back in over there. I could see, a lot of different teams um, going after him. A lot of contenders. Like I love Gallo, and I think yeah, I do too. he'll be on a contender at some point. Like I, I don't know who, but I, I think you just move on there, and you do him a solid. Um, Chris Paul, I could see just kind of owning it because apparently he has like real ties in like that season in New Orleans where they had to play in Oklahoma City. That was like a big thing for him, and he got really invested in the community. Like I could see him actually sticking around and helping out. I also don't know how good of a fit him and Shea is. And like, if you want Shea to be the lead ball handler of your future, I, I don't know if it's good to have Chris Paul next to him. And I understand like, Oh, one of the best point guards of all time. Why would you not want him next to him? It's just more. I, I think you just kind of want Shea to play a bunch of minutes at the one and not have to worry about Chris Paul and pleasing Chris Paul and not um, disappointing him and all that kind of stuff. I just, I, I don't know. I would be a little nervous about that episode if I was a Thunder fan, but um, the Thunder have potential to do a lot of uh, trade deadline damage. Sam Presti's already done just an absolute destruction of damage, but like he has um, Andre Robertson in the last year's deal. He has Schroeder, who's only got one year after this. You got Gallinari. You have Steven Adams. You have Chris Paul. You have um, Nerlis Noel, who I'll never quit. Like there's just, they can continue making deals because they just have pieces on this roster that I think a lot of smart teams would want. And I'm going to be fascinated to see what, uh, what they do there. Um, I'm also interested if Sam Pressey gets lucky twice because we're just penciling in the thunder. It's like this great feature, but I'm like, do we really believe that one GM can draft like 10 all time talents in a right. 10 year span? I don't think people understand like how, like I understand their player development, all that kind of stuff matters, but Drafting James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook is just part of that is luck. 
like part of it has to be luck and i we're not gonna see i feel like we're not gonna see anything like that ever again right so you can compile like, these draft it's, picks, it's but insane. it's gonna be real. Like you're not gonna get that again. Like that, you're never gonna walk into something like that again. But the, the, I mean, they're counting on like, like they're just getting so many bites of the apple, right? Like they they need if they get, I don't know. They don't need Russ, James Harden, and KD again. They need Russ. They need Harden, or they need KD. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they need one of those yes. guys, and I think that's kind of what they're setting themselves up for. And especially if you pair that kind of guy with. You know Shea and and whatever else they get by by trading Chris Paul. If they do that, then it'll call Nari. Like what kind of young prospects they get around that? Like I think if you just hit hit a home run on one of those, like that might just be enough for them to kind of kickstart the rebuild and, and and get them back to where they want to be. Yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting. So, last thing I want to talk about real quick: um, Portland. Who I don't know how you how you feel about Portland. Um, fun team the last couple of years. Dame's postseason run was one of my favorite things this year. Um, it's just impossible not to love Dame Lillard um, and his distracts against Marvin Bagley. Um, they locked up CJ McCollum. Like I think we've moved on from the fact that those two can't play together. Clearly, they love playing together. But clearly, you can still put together a top ten defense with those two on the floor. Um, we saw how good Nurkic and Lillard were together in the pick and roll um mccollum just makes some of the coolest looking shots in basketball and i like that they're just continuing to roll on with this group and they locked them up and um i i just i think i think it's a good move what do you think do you think this was a smart decision to keep writing it out with mccollum and lillard i'm i'm not surprised that they did it um i don't hate it i just i don't i don't see this team competing for like a championship and that's not you know like there is value i feel like we always talk about like being in a position to win an nba title and it is definitely the most important thing but it's also super important for teams like a portland to have a competitive team every single year that can make it to the second and potentially the third round like that stuff matters and i think if you have Dame and cj next to each other you're pretty much guaranteed to win what 45 plus games every single year um and, you know, you get lucky with the matchups, you can make it far. I just don't know. I just I, I just don't know how good a team with those two as your two best players can be. I don't think it matters. Like I, th- I think there's a ceiling. I think there's a ceiling as well. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I guess my biggest thing is like, it depends on how you feel about Anthony Simons, right? The kid who skipped college, who is turning heads and like, I don't know um is he like bruno caboclo where he's two years away from being two years away or is he someone that actually could come on and be the wing that pushes him into a different kind of trajectory i i, I don't know what have you seen anything from anthony simons like what is this i i mean i watched the game that he went off last year the was it the last game of the season um yeah. when i want to say he scored like 36 points to learn to a comeback win um other than that i really haven't seen much of him and i think it's incredible how much like like, I feel like anytime I read something with the Blazers, it's about how excited, like, their staff is about this kid um, right. and how high they are on him. And it's it's just, it's remarkable. Like, I I don't really remember another situation like this where I, I, someone gets drafted um, in a situation they did and, like, we haven't really seen anything from him, but he's already been billed as this, like, future star. But if he is, things are different like everything about this group is different like i i that's part of the reason i was okay with some of their offseason moves where people like oh why did they let this guy go this guy go it's like 
I think they really want Anthony Simons to play. And you kind of have to clear the deck a little bit on the wing to give him some room to breathe and some opportunities. Um, I don't know how you feel about Zach Collins. I guess that's another guy who they're hoping clicks at some point. I, he's I like have Zach an Collins. Opportunity. Well, he's going to have an I opportunity, like right? Collins. Like with Nurkic out and Whiteside there, like he is, he has a real opportunity to steal a lot of minutes and really cement himself as a lottery worthy pick. Um, I don't know. I guess if you look at that roster, like a lot of people were trashing the Hazonia stuff, which people can back off um, as king of Hazonia Island. Um, <laughs> he's going to be great in the Warriors next year, by the way, when he's shooting 45% per, per three in his Genestra <laughs> role. I'm ready. Um, I don't know. Portland, I think, is fun, and I think it's cool that they have two cemented stars, and I agree with you that they don't have... Uh, they, they, they can't be a contender right now, but... I also love that they have Kent Bazemore and that they just took a flyer on Hassan Whiteside because he fits their defensive scheme and they re-sign Rodney Hood and they have Anthony Simons. It's just like, hey, who knows? Because they're really thin on the wing now. Like they're banking on Rodney Hood still being good. They're banking on Kent Bazemore getting back to what he was a couple of years ago. Like they, they don't have Harkless anymore. They don't have Aminu. They don't have those dudes that they just knew they could count on defensively. And now... It's going to be Simons. Like, I really think they're a lot more interesting now because we know what Lillard is. We knew what this group was the last couple of years. Now throwing in Whiteside, throwing in Zach Collins, throwing in Simons. Um, I just, I think it's going to be cool looking. Um, and I'm excited for Anthony Tolliver to shoot 45% from three for them this year. It's definitely going to be fun. Like, I'm excited to see what they do. Um, one thing I will say, it sucks that Nurkic got hurt at the end of last season, because he was, ba- I mean, he was their second best player until that injury. Um, and he's just, he changes so much for them. And I hope that he can return to the same player that he was, because I'm definitely higher on this team if he does. Because um, right now, there's a lot of pressure on Zach Collins to be kind of the, the, the player that they're projecting him to be. And I, I do like him. Um, but Hassan Whiteside, I think we've learned from the past, like, you can't really trust this guy to show up every single night right um and i think i do think that that kind of power forward center rotation is is a little iffy especially if Nurkic can't kind of return to the play he was it's definitely iffy but it seems like the white side stuff will work here out of all the places like i they're just too into it you know what i mean we're like they're just too sure you don't do that unless you're like this will be fine i mean if he does like if if he's going to be the player that he has the potential to be night in night out, like it's pretty scary in the situation. It's just I feel like we've seen this story so many times before with him. Like I yeah. I feel like I've talked myself into Whiteside so many times at this point. Um, that but if he's a guy you're I, playing twelve minutes a night, like if he's just by the time Nurkic comes back and Collins is there and he's just like a another fallback option, I mean I think it's fine. But do we? But here's the thing: like, do we think? Do we think he's going to be happy being like? He's gonna start, right? Like we can we can pencil him as a starter at night uh, one. Are we no? sure? I mean, you don't think so? Would it not be Collins? I don't know. I, I I feel like if you bring Weiss out off the bench, like this is not gonna go well. Like he he probably won't like that. What is their starting lineup right now? When I think about it, is Simon's gonna start? Is it Dane, CJ, Bazemore? Man. I don't even know. Do they start Collins at the four? 
and just go super big to start? Unless they I guess go, Rodney um, Hood is a chance. I don't know. Unless they go uh, Tolliver at the four. Tolliver starting. What is worse, ESPN's depth chart right now has Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, Whiteside. Interesting. See, I can see them starting Collins at the four. Yeah, so maybe that's what it, maybe that's what it is. You, you start Collins on Whiteside. Ugh, that won't last long. I don't think they'll be doing that yeah. come playoff time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is, uh, I don't think that will work as well as DeMontis Sabonis and uh, Miles Turner. That's something yeah, probably I just, not. I really want one of these, like, kids who skipped college, who went, like, he was at IMG Academy and, like, Baisley and, or, and uh, Oklahoma City. Like, I want one of these kids to just become a superstar. I, that's all I want. Like, the, the unknowns who skipped it, didn't go lottery because teams just didn't have any information on them, and then they just pop out of their, these teams, like, just development factories and they just turn into superstars. I just, I want one of these dudes to actually hit. And it seems like Simon says the best shot of any of them. Yeah. It's, it, it would be incredible. I mean, you don't obviously want to put too much stock into one game, but w- what he did, um, against Summer the League Kings in the last game. I mean, yeah, he, I, but the thing is like you watch him and it's, it's, it's easy to believe in him. Like he's super smooth. He plays, like he looks like the kind of guy who plays well beyond his years. Um, he's already looks comfortable, like shooting threes off the dribble and things like that. Um, you know, he's learned, you would assume he's learned a lot from CJ and Dame the last, um, the last year and everything like that. So it, it would be incredible if he does kind of blow up. That's what I'm hoping for. Shout out to the Blazers for doing it the right way. Shout out to Dame. Love Dame. So are you, are you locking them in for the playoffs, by the way? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So, so here's the thing, right? So it, you're locking them in, right? Are you locking Denver? Do we do locks? In? Yes. Denver is going to finish maybe with the best record in basketball. Okay. Houston? Yes. Utah? Yes. So that's four? That's four. Golden State? Yes. Okay. And then Clippers and Lakers? Yes. I only so think there's seven. one spot up for grabs. Yes. So one spot for grabs for what? The Thunder, Spurs, Kings, Timbles, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Mavs. Yep. That's tough, man. It's going to be crazy. That's why the Pelican stuff is so silly to me. I talked about this on a podcast not too long ago. I was like, they're going to be awful. And it's not really their fault, but they're just not going to shoot enough. That half-court offense is going to be ugly as hell. Like, JJ can try and run around as many screens as he wants, but, like, they're going to be minutes where Zion's the four and they're going to have Lonzo and Drew Holiday out there and they're Brandon Ingram trying to do whatever it is that Brandon Ingram can do. And I just, it, when they're in transition, it's going to look really pretty and really good. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. I love Lonzo, but when they're in the half-court sets, it's it's going to be putrid. And I I, I don't know. I think they, they're, they're going to lose a lot of games. Um, so, but if I, I think had to guess, can... the Spurs get the eight seed. Yeah, it's it's tough to count the Spurs. I feel like we every year it's one of those things. that's like, oh, the Spurs can the playoffs, but like we should probably just, you know, like they're gonna make it. Who are we kidding? The Warriors stuff is ridiculous to me. Like the just going from finals team to not not making the playoffs. Even like they still have Steph Curry and Draymond, and they still somehow snuck into D'Angelo Russell. They still brought back Kevon Luna. They sneakily signed Willie Colley Stein. Like there's no chance unless Steph Curry and Dre get hurt. Like it, they have to get hurt. For them not to make the playoffs. Steph Curry, unanimous MVP, is missing the playoffs? Yeah, no, I, I think they're making it. I, I think that's pretty safe to assume. People are way too, like, and Clay's going to come back at some point. Like, this team still has just too much talent. Like, I just, 
They got Amari Spellman. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Glenn Robinson the third. Jordan right. Poole. Alec Burks. Dude, Alec Burks. How many teams is he gonna be on in his career? I, I over oh, under fifteen. He, he's making his way through them, that's for sure. But I think he's gonna be one of those guys we just are like, he's still in the league. And then it's because yeah. he can still shoot threes and teams are like, he can be our eighth guy. Yeah, totally. It's a good business. It's it's a good business to be a, a shooter who teams just talk themselves into over and over again until you're like 36 and you're like, oh, I've made a lot of money. Um, <laughs> so shout out to him uh, for sticking around and not having to go to China yet. Um, and I guess that means bon voyage to Lance Stevenson, who I think signed with China today. And Ron Baker, he did. who I think went to yeah. Russia. I think that's right. I also saw yeah. that he signed a shoe deal. Is that is that right? Did he really? Ron Baker? I feel like I did. I feel like I, I, feel like I saw that. I could have. It, that that might not have been true. I might have just seen something Hold on, let me look ridiculous on Twitter. Um, but I want to say that I saw something today about him signing a shoe deal. Leaks. I hope I'm right. With Vans. Of course it it's with Vans. There it is. Oh, my God. Okay. Absolutely. What a, what a legend. <laughs> that what contract with New York. Didn't he get like a three-year deal? Didn't Phil Jackson <laughs> give him a three-year contract? Didn't he have a player option as well? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Jackson, incredible. Oh, man. Okay. Those are, those are good times. <sighs> I miss it. I miss it. But thankfully, we have Mitch Kupchak to save us um, from these kind of deals. So <laughs> they can never fully leave the NBA. Scott Rafferty, is there anything we need to check out from you this week? Um, I just wrote um, something on, on Pascal Fiat. We're going all in on Pascal Siakam on NBA Canada uh, with him being the face of the franchise now. So I wrote something two weeks ago about how the next step for him is as a, as a scorer and improving as a shooter. Um, and then today I had something about how the Raptors are going to need him to be um, a better passer, more willing passer next season to kind of make up the loss of Kawhi. So those, those are the two things that I've, I've kind of uh, I've published recently. At DAZN, correct? That's what zone. Yeah, I mean, you, you read all my stuff on... Um, NBA Canada. It's also on NBA Australia and NBA India. Um, but I won't have anything on thezone.com, which I, I believe the site is coming soon. Um, but you should still check it out because uh, that would be great. All right. Go do that, Scott. You're the best. Thanks for making time as always, sir. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, Be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.